Kimbo Kihala is a wonderful human being, and I think that shines through in this interview. I have gotten the privilege to meet so many awesome people through this podcasting endeavor, and if I could encourage everybody to do one thing, it would be to go into podcasting. <laughs> I have uh, been blessed beyond belief, but um, Kimbo is uh, just, just incredible. The amount of introspection that he's done over the course of his life and all his travels is, is really remarkable. But it's nothing that we all can't do ourselves. And I think that's a critical takeaway for me, for you, is as the listening audience, know that nothing that anybody has done who's reported stuff on this show is out of your reach. Um, all, of, all of what's accomplished by a human being can be done by another human being, uh, especially when it comes to psychological capacity and uh, I don't I don't ever want people to think that they can't do something that someone else has done including personal growth development and evolution I'm Jake Wiskirchen I'm the host and I am thrilled that I get to share this with you guys go visit our sponsor it's audible if you go to audibletrial.com slash noggin notes you get a free 30-day trial and a free download you get to keep the download even if you cancel the trial but you probably won't because Audible's selection of content is uh, vast and they have the power of Amazon behind them. So go to audibletrial.com slash Noggin'Notes, get your free trial, get your free download, support them, support us, and most importantly, support your Noggin by enriching it and expanding it with more information. Also check out ZephyrWellness.org if you want to learn more about what we're doing here in Northern Nevada with our agency. Follow us on the usual channels, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and sometimes Twitter. I feel like that's an A-E-I-O-U, sometimes Y. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to take up any more time. Just sit back and enjoy Nkembo Kiala talking about really cool, inspirational stuff. What a positive guy. I hope that we can all be this positive in our lives. Welcome to Naga Notes and Kimbo Kiala. How are you? I'm well, Jake. Um, thanks for having me. Dude, it's it's really a pleasure. I, I always uh, I always get a little um, I don't know fanboyish, uh, geeked out when I get to talk to people from <laughs> international waters or uh, terrains because um, I don't I don't get to travel much, um, and so getting to speak to people from other uh, countries and cultures is really cool. And you know our founder Naganos founder Safisa Rapinga from uh, high school and. Uh, I want you to tell that story. I want you to talk about yourself, but uh, mostly um, introduce who you are and uh, all the travels that you've traveled and all that stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Um, again, uh, really great pleasure being on this platform. Um, thanks again, Jake, for having me. Mm -hmm. um, so to the, to the wider audience out there, my name is Nkembo Kiala. Um, I'm originally from Angola. And I'm currently based in South Africa, Johannesburg. Um, I'm an entrepreneurial leadership uh, faculty member at uh, African Leadership Academy. Um, our aim there is to develop the next generation of African leaders. But um, more to the interesting stuff about how I know uh, the, the co-founder, right? <laughs> Spisa Rapinga. So- Smiley. Smiley, exactly. Um, Spiso and I were in the same matriculating class. So we had been in the same school since about um, 
primary school was it primary grade eight mm-hmm. um and we we grew up in that environment together um learning and mitigating the uh the subcultures that existed in south african society at the time uh, which was very interesting because i think he was very instrumental in bridging um racial relationships really? um, spiso was known as smiley and a person that is constantly smiling um is approachable right and so i think that was his instrument he used his charisma he used his smile to to integrate and um foster great relationships with people and i'm glad um i'm able to look back and say he was an awesome guy till this day wow yeah he really is an awesome guy i i certainly wouldn't be here if it weren't for him um did did you ever hear the story about uh how naga notes was formed and how i no, came in I the haven't. picture no okay no, so yeah so um so I have a fraternity brother from college who worked for IGT, International Game Technology. They, they build slot machines and design them for, for people who don't know. And mm-hmm. IGT has a big market in Southeast Asia, uh, China, Macau, Macau specifically is where Lauren went. Uh, after college, he worked for IGT for a number of years and then they shipped him to China or he raised his hand and volunteered. However, he ended up there, he was, he was in Macau. And after a while, he got done with IGT and wanted to form his own company. So he did. And then that's where he met Sviso. And mm-hmm. they went, the two of them, uh, I think, I don't forget the order of events, but somehow they're in Cambodia. They ended up in Cambodia and they're yeah. designing yeah. app gaming. And uh, so then at some point or another, Sviso meets this guy named Tom Phillips from the UK. And they were talking about uh, how cool it would be to design a mental health app because that's what Tom did for work for a career Mm -hmm. so they're like yeah yeah let's do a mental health app so they created noggin notes and noggin notes was this app um and one day it will be again it's it's down now because it's very expensive to run an app but um they designed this app and uh lauren catches wind of it and is my fraternity brother lauren says hey you know i got a friend in the states named jake who you should talk to Mm -hmm. because he does mental health for a living so tom and sophie and i in late 2016 we got on a skype call and I looked at their app and I was like, this is really awesome, but it's really obvious you guys are amateurs. <laughs> uh, so I said, here's what I would do with it. And I said, I'd you know, distill it down to the 10 core emotions that Carol Izzard studied and researched and then incorporate maybe some, some articles. And, and the journal component was really cool. The Noggin Notes was literally, you make notes about your Noggin. And uh, they said, that'd be awesome. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks so much. They were super appreciative and all that stuff. And then they said, would you mind writing articles for us? And I said, yeah, I mean, I, I have a journalism degree and uh, I love writing, but uh, I, I just, I just, thanks. I just compete, uh, completed a, about a year and a half of doing a, a radio show in, in Reno where you pay for your own airtime and nobody listens to it because it's on, you know, AM. And whatnot. But, but it was fun. It was like, it was a radio show. And I said, you know, what's faster than writing instead of doing articles, let's do a podcast. And I knew nothing about awesome. podcasts, but that's how Noggin Notes, the podcast came to be. So mid-July, wow. uh, July 2017, we started Noggin Notes and we've been doing it just about weekly ever since. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And Safiso is at the core of this because he's got such a heart for just helping people, you know, bringing, bringing help and light and love and insight and perspective and just making the world a better place, you know? So yeah. I could not be happier. And now it brings me in touch with people like you who I never would have otherwise met. And um, mm. I get to learn more from my guests, I think, uh, than the listening audience even does sometimes. And so for me, it's a it's a real joy. But uh, anyway, yeah. you're here, and 
uh, we are gonna, you're, you're part of our Black Mental Wellness uh, series that we're doing. And I wanna hear your perspective on this, this race relations thing to which you alluded about um, Safiso being an integrator. Um, but also you've traveled the world. I mean, you're, 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 we were talking before the show and your dad worked for Cornell university. I think he said, right. Well, um, he studied at Cornell. He worked for uh, world vision. Okay. And, and world vision went around and helped communities build. He was in agribusiness or, um, agrology. Yeah. Agriculture. Yeah. Um, so world vision is, it was still is a nonprofit organization. Um, that has a footprint all over the world. And um, I guess my father was fortunate enough to be um, to be noticed by uh, World Vision and the, the work that he did in agriculture as an agronomist with specific study on um, how to alleviate um, poverty through uh, certain nutrients that he was able to further develop in his studies as core kind of foods that would potentially boost um, immune systems and enable people to to thrive in their livelihoods. So he identified cassava, maize, and beans um, as three core staple foods that could help um, people in disadvantaged communities. Um, and it was really like, through his work, right? Um, so he got based in all these various different countries. And the perks of that was he was able to bring his family along. Yeah. So I have um, an older brother, uh, an older sister, and I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So I'm a middle child. Five of you. Um, wow. At the beginning, yeah, quite a big family. What, what I didn't mention is uh, my mother is Nigerian and my father is Angolan. So um, and he met her when he was furthering his studies in Nigeria. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's just a build. So it's very important, I think, to, to notice um, people's roots right where they come from there's quite a lot of heritage in that and it also there's a linkage i think to your mental health once you you attach yourself to where you come from right and you fully embrace your history your heritage um that kind of gives you that background or the the key the pivots that you would need um to stand up and be yourself in the world right because people are always full of doubt i believe um, and one way to defeat that doubt is to fully embrace where you come from and acknowledge that and appreciate that and leverage that when you move into spaces. Um, you're talking about having an identity really. Yeah, absolutely. That that's it. Right. Um, I think that's, that's something that a lot of us have struggled with. Oh, for um, sure. No matter where you are, finding that identity and you know it's fluid the identity is fluid right you you build and shape and mold it as you travel through the world but it has its origins right and i think it's important for you to to stay in touch with the origins as you grow and build um into this bigger better self that you envision right um so all of this, really, this whole journey, I think, has 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 enabled me to become uh, or build on better versions of myself um, to an extent, right? Because I think everybody, we have our ups and downs, um, but it's through experience that we, we realize what it is that we do want and what we don't want. Um, yeah, I, I think that's real. It's critical uh, for 
for one's own mental well-being to know where one is anchored right and Absolutely. and you, and you can you can unanchor yourself and you can drift in the sea to stick with that metaphor and then eventually you want to you want to return home you have a home port of some sort um mm. if you're adrift and an unmoored if you will uh it's very very hard to get along and and move and and progress and and develop and grow because uh, you don't know where where you originated um if your identity is always shifting it can cause great anxiety and um and sometimes even panic in people when they don't when they don't have parameters you know and, and boundaries Absolutely. where does your interest in mental health originate you know i think it's it's kind of like an unforeseen consequence of all the drifting as per se um, if we're going to stick to the analogy right because here i was um, and my father and my parents kept on traveling to these different places so here we are in the u.s now we're moving to kinshasa in congo and then we're moving to rwanda and then we're moving to mozambique and then we're passing through zimbabwe and then we're in south africa um with all of that you, you can you can easily lose yourself right um and not be in touch with your core who you are and what what life is it that you want to lead and how you choose to lead this life and you can get trapped and distracted by what it is that we see within our surroundings and a lot of what we see is not good for us and hence that is where i started to struggle with say mental health as per se because firstly starting off in congo living in congo is is, is a very tough life right um we're talking about people it's, it's a country that's stricken by poverty um People have minimal access to the basic necessities, water, electricity, food. Um, and here you are, uh, privileged to, to, to an extent. And you, you have to interact with people that don't necessarily have what you might have had. And it can be your immediate family. And, you know, the social constructs around who you are and what it is that you're seeing uh, society can box you and put you in a certain place and make you feel as if you're isolated. Um, and then you start, you know, doubting yourself. Oh, is it, is it me? Uh, is it, is it, is it my family? Where, where is it? You know, there's so many question marks just, you know, at the top of your head and you're not really sure how to engage with people and you, if you don't address it, it kind of builds on. Right. And you take, that and you, you move to Mozambique, right? So from a French environment, you're moving into a Portuguese environment, different cultures, mm. and you still have the past stigma attached and you're like, okay, how do I interact now? Um, I think a lot of that led, led me to be very drawn to myself, um, introverted to an extent, um, and a lot of self-doubt. Um, and, and with that, you know, as soon as one, I believe, starts doubting themselves, that struggle within you, right? So now that I've had more time to think and uh, brought in my knowledge on this, I see two selves within an individual, right? There's the inner, higher, uh, rational, non-emotional being um, that is making effective decisions. And then there's the inner, lower, irrational, very emotional being that doesn't even want to have a choice to make. Um, and having to battle with that within yourself. 
at such a young age, um, not knowing exactly which culture group you fit into, right? Brought me all the way back. Like I had to do a 360 really and go back to my origin, right? My source being my parents and ask them, you know, basically who am I? What were your plans that you had for me? Um, where, where do you envision me being? Where do I sit in this construct of a family that we have? Um, and that was where I found my confidence, really, to, to voice myself. Uh, we mentioned the term identity, which, which is very important, right? That is where I started learning about the history of my family where my grandfather came from, what he did, my grandparents on my mother's side. I think all of those tie into who you currently are. And having that knowledge gives you that first step into the real world, right? When you start realizing and living life intentionally and meaningfully, knowing that you have all this prior knowledge of those that existed before you and who you are currently and how you can live out uh, their their destiny, their their dreams in your name. Really. There's so much there that you just laid out. I, I would love to pick some of it apart um, because I think it's critically important, especially for people who maybe don't have uh, family roots. Maybe they're you know mm-hmm. raised in the system, born you know uh, to parents who weren't present or you know incarcerated. They ended up in foster care, you know, or um, people who don't have deep cultural significance attached to their families. Um, You know, there's just kind of this big shrug, like, I don't know, we're just, you know, I'm thinking in America, like, I don't know, we're white, we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of mutts. (laughs) Like you can't point to a a culture to, you know, that's anchored in a, in a a country of origin or even just traditions that, that the family has done over years besides, you know, yeah, we go to church on Christmas. Uh, It's like, so how does, I guess (laughs) You've you've gone through this great personal growth process. You've wrestled with these seemingly opposing forces. Um, you're learning how to reconcile and and hybridize things. What would you say to somebody who's um, maybe not uh, not sure how to start the journey? Where they're like, "Yeah, I know there's something deep within me. I don't know what my identity is. Maybe I was maybe I was abused or neglected, or I was hurt by religion, or uh, I, I missed out on a great education." Um, and now here I am, I'm a young adult, uh, you know, age, whatever. Um, and I want to find out who I am, but I'm terrified. Right. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question and I, I can, I can only answer it from, you know, my experience and, you know, the lens, which I've been fortunate to, to look through or to see through. Um, so I, I would say self-love right and unpacking self-love it would look like building some form of independence right and still being dependent on certain aspects as well so this individual would probably feel very isolated meaning Mm -hmm. there's no sense of dependency on anything no sense of independence from anything either and they need to start building on that. So start creating structures that you can depend on, right? Um, sometimes our family, the family unit is very dysfunctional, right? You mentioned um, broken families in the United States. Um, it, it's a very unfortunate situation, but 
when you start looking at building dependency, I believe the opportunity lies in friendships. The opportunity lies in connections, just communicating with another person, right? Building this routine that will enable you to depend on this person, not for something drastic like a roof over your head, but rather depend on them just for that, hi, how are you today, right? That, that connecting with another person, another human being, um, that throws you way out of your isolation already, right? And then looking at your independence, people, I believe, especially for me, I needed to feel useful. I needed to feel like I was doing something, right? And that's where my independence started building. Um, I started thinking of how can I make a long lasting impact, right? And have a life where I can look back on and say, I lived this fruitfully. I did something, right? And in building independence, you got to start looking at your core, what it is that you're able to do without anybody else's help, right? So you're looking at your core skills, you're looking at your passions, um, you're looking at your interests, right? And you're looking at how can you leverage that to your advantage? And being independent is mostly associated with, you know, living this free life where no one is able to tell you what to do or, um, you know, you have no constraints. It's, uh, I'm doing my best. It's me and I don't care. But you're independent working towards building some form of love in what it is that you're doing, right? So you're not just doing anything. You're, you're working at how can I be more appreciative of myself through my independence? Where did you, so, yeah, go ahead, sorry. So what I did, right, sorry, but yeah. how I really like, leveraged my independence was um, building on my passions, right? I love playing soccer. Mm -hmm. And through soccer, I realized that I was able to form those dependencies as well, right? So I was independently doing something meaningful. And at the same time, I'm forming dependent structures where I'm meeting up with players on the field, and you know, you're, you're sharing the soccer ball, you're passing it to the next man and you're building this community. And there's a, there's a sense of self-love that starts to develop there. That's right? pretty awesome. Um, where did you, it's, what, what, I'm, what I'm hearing here is in, a concept of interdependence, right? So there's mm, like, like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the binary of independence or dependence, there's an interdependence. Uh, which Absolutely. we all really desire. I'm wondering where you learned this concept. Who, who taught this to you? How did you find it? Um, was this formal education or did, is this something that you encountered in like, you know, counseling, formal counseling itself or did your parents teach mm. you? Where, where'd this come from? So this is deep, no, this is deep stuff and you're not an old dude. <laughs> you're a super smart dude, <laughs> but this is, this is not a normal conversation that we usually have on this level. Like I haven't talked to too many people who talk like you. Uh, like that you, you just thanks for all the kind words um so here, here's the you asked the question and here's the honest truth in 2015 i lost my father right mm. and that sent me into a mode of deep reflection right i i literally isolated myself and i had four walls around me and i started asking 
the question, why, right? And, you know, you're just bouncing back and forth. Your, your emotions are up there, down, uh, you, you, you're lost. And I was, I was fortunate enough to have a, a very good support structure um, through my mom, my, my brothers and sisters to, to, to enable me to start thinking like rationally again. And I started, I started thinking of this question of why, and if I could build out the word why, an abbreviation, right? And I abbreviated the why as to who helps you, right? Mm. And I started thinking, who helps you, right? Firstly, you got to help yourself before anyone can ever even try to help you, right? And in helping myself, I started reflecting on my past behavior, you know? What, what was it that I was doing? What were the reasons behind some of my actions? What were the possible reasons behind the tragedy of having lost my dad? And having a guy like, or just, you know, David Brooks, he, he's, he's very, very good at thinking and positioning the, the individual in life. Mm. And he, he mentioned um, something along the lines of moments, so broadening our horizons, right? And he said, moments of struggle coupled with moments of love, right? And putting those two together enables you to broaden your horizon and see a better day or um, just see some, some, some lights at the end of that tunnel. And I started thinking of concepts, right? Um, of how can I be independent within that space? Um, and I started writing, uh, just, you know, just jotting down notes as to what am I thinking of and what are the reasons behind all of this? And of course, um, you know, tapping into some, some philosophy like Adam Swift, um, they speak of higher and lower beings. Um, you start seeing the world as, as a place where you can thrive as opposed to a place that, you know, you must suffer from the consequences. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? And we learn from those mistakes. And I started, it's, it's like a switch. I flipped and I started seeing the world in a way which I've never seen it before. So if something bad happens, I try and look at the good that could potentially be thought of out of that, that bad. Uh, and the tragedy for me was having lost my dad. And I started thinking of, you know, what, what were the good things that, that can be drawn from this? How did and, you do uh, um, You know, I, I really haven't spoken about this. Um, my dad, so he was, he was, he was murdered. Um, wow. In, in his home um, in, in, in Angola, in the Wij province. Um, yeah, you know, just a normal day, we're expecting him to come home. Uh, so we live in the capital city and he, he had a house uh, in, in the province where he worked. And so he would commute uh, over the weekends. And on, on a Friday, he just didn't arrive and we were ringing his phone. And, uh, we got no answers. so. My mom and I decided to drive down. This was like around four, five in the morning. Um, we arrived at his place. We didn't see his car. So we assumed, okay, he must have, you know, left. We, we probably crossed each other on the, on the way. 
Um, so we drove back home and he hadn't arrived. Uh, so we called the police and we asked them to, you know, do a wellness check on him. And, and that's when they discovered uh, his body. Was it, was it a robbery or a, a burglary or was it something else? Yeah. You know, um, nobody knows yet. And, you know, our, our police systems and justice systems uh, in Africa, um, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not as well built out as they are compared to other countries. And he was in a very remote community as well. Uh, till this day, we, we, haven't, we haven't, there are no answers as to what, what happened and the reasons why. No wonder you would ask the question, why? I mean, you literally don't know, and there's nothing obvious, and it's very frustrating, and what a horrible vacuum to leave behind. Even in five years now, you don't have the answers. It's yeah. a lot of mystery there. Um, so, I mean, not not to be callous, I want to I like leverage this into a conversation about being able to embrace mystery and, and live in peace, not knowing, is that some, some part of your journey? Have you, have you encountered that particular um, concept? Yeah. Um, so another kind of philosophy or, you know, kind of rule rule that I live by is venturing into the unknown. Right. Um, everybody will say this where we're all so stuck in our comfort zones and you know, we just want to get by and um, getting by is not enough, uh, especially for young black uh, people in my context. Um, the system has deprived us uh, systematically set us back and had made us feel like getting by is great. Getting by is the best thing you can do for yourself. Um, and contrary to that thought, um, what I've become more cognizant of is this unknown that exists and how much you can learn, right? Like from you, Jake, like I don't know you and I'm just so interested, right? I wanna, I wanna interact with you more because I feel like there's a lot of unknown stuff there, right? So that draws my curiosity. Um, I think people need to be flexible, right? Um, people need to be change welcoming, um, especially in this space, right? Black mental health. We we need various fret. We need various. Um, what's the right word here? We need various subtle approaches to how we integrate with the world, right? But we need to do this very quick. We have to adapt very quick, and we can't be stuck in our ways and saying that okay, I'm getting by, I'm in my comfort zone, this is what life is providing for me and I'm just gonna stick with it, right? Yeah. We, have to be, we have to be very aware of where we are, right? Firstly, linking it back to who you were, the previous generations, who they were, what they did, um, positioning yourself, grounding yourself, finding that identity that we spoke of, right? And then trying to frame this, I love what you said, the interdependence, not the independent dependent, but the interdependence, fostering that self-love, right? And then saying, okay, I'm not going to get by. I'm not going to stick in this comfort zone. I'm going to get out of this comfort zone. And I'm going to venture into the unknown. And I will be flexible and accept change. 
one of the things I, I speak regularly of is when you, when you grow, you have to go through disequilibrium. Any developmental theorist will mm-hmm. say that. Anybody who, who studies the development of anything, biological, spiritual, moral, phil- philosophical, psychological, you have to go into disequilibrium, leave your equilibrium, go into disequilibrium in order to grow. The problem yeah. with disequilibrium is it's very scary because it's unknown. And mm-hmm. if we're not taught good emotional functioning, we don't know what fear is we don't know what it does for us and so we tend to yeah. avoid it because it's scary because being vulnerable and inviting in that 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 scary unknown exposes us to risk and risk could That's come nice. with pain and who wants pain so we might as well just stay where we are fat dumb and happy or are we really happy you know so that that becomes a question of um is as you described like is survival enough is just getting my enough or do you want to thrive? You know, it's the difference yeah. between surviving and thriving. And in order to thrive, you got to challenge things. You got to dare boldly. You got to take some risks and invite in that vulnerability and that fear that says, I don't know what's on the other side. I'm just going to work really hard, but coupled with a faith. And I love how you refer to self-love because self-love to me refers to self-efficacy as well. It says, I've got a history and a background that says, I'm going to be fine no matter what. Right. So I can take this risk. And even if it, if it hurts, even if I invite a little pain and that pain actually manifests, um, I will still be okay. It's not a, but it's an, and right. I will, I will be okay. Even if this thing doesn't work out the way that I intend or whatever it is. So I really appreciate that, that approach you, you're, I want to get back into the, the cultural, um, discussion about how black people, I think worldwide have been, I don't know if oppression is the right word, but that's certainly the result, right? So it can sound like a verb and it can also sound like an adjective and it can sound like an experience noun. So, um, but that's certainly the result when you've got an entire swath of people globally who have experienced this um, sense of like, only being able to do whatever my overlords allow me to do. And that's not appropriate. That's not okay. It's stifles the human spirit. Um, And I want to ask you about like philosophically where that comes from and why, but, but I don't want to go there just yet (laughs) where I want to go is with this idea of, of self-efficacy and, and elevating oneself. I'm hearing a lot of um, thematic elements related to personal accountability, um, you know, uh, personal responsibility um, you work in the entrepreneurship world. You work with young leaders, developing them. I'm, I'm presuming politically and for business purposes as well. Um, and I want to hear how you approach that because you, I mean, just talking to you, you ins- you're inspiring me now. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. I got to go read some more. Um, <laughs> and I can only imagine being one of those students. You guys are about six, 16 to 19 year olds you, you work with, I think something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can only imagine being one of those kids in your, in your, uh, classes, listening to you talk and, and just hearing this calm, confident, deep enthusiasm. That's not a raw, raw speech. It's, it's just, this is the way it is. And I'm encouraging you <laughs> and people are like, yeah. So how, how specifically, <laughs> like, I want to, I want to hear, you know, books, influences, you know, people you, you point to who are mentors of yours that people listening to this podcast may be able to take that you share with your your, your, your young leaders that you're developing, like, like, let's, let's like kind of spread this to the world if we can. 
who, yeah. who do you listen to? What do you do? And how do you apply this in the classroom? Yeah, um, you know, it's um, it's a it's a it's a it's a vast space, mm-hmm. and one of the beautiful things about what I do is we we really leverage um, each other in the workspace as well. So it's not just one person, but it's 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 a it's an engine. It's a lot of people that are that are moving this um, this cause um, in the classroom. You know where where i kind of my 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 takeoff point or launch pad is i want these students to experience a better life than i have right and immediately that sets the tone for your interaction right um you're able to portray uh, a best self towards them and they're able to see the potential of what they could potentially be as well right mm-hmm. um there 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 are a lot of varying different components that feed into how we shape and build these individuals um and definitely um reading is important right we do these sessions where we put down all of our academic course material right and we just read right we read from a variety of contexts uh, and we call these sessions seminal readings and i i had feared like when i first arrived at the academy i was just like oh no we have to do all this reading for an entire week <laughs> um you know i was just like i don't want to do this um but at the same time you know every every step into that vulnerability made me realize you know how how we're building this community of strong ethical uh content driven um leaders right so firstly you are you're in the classroom and you want them to be better than you right and then tapping into these uh, the variety of contexts different readings um and appreciating the literature, unpacking it, and sharing thoughts through meaningful dialogue um, has, has brought this appreciation for, you know, reading that white and black. Um, the real secret sauce, I think the core um, as to, to, to what I do or what we do in the space, I think is a shared vision, right? Um, not, not everywhere you go, do you find that your personal values are aligned with the institutional values and institutional structures that enable the functioning of the organization? I, I don't think, think it's just not any everywhere. I think it's very rare, actually. It is, right? It is. Um, it is extremely rare. And in that process, you find people that are aligning with those values, right? And once we are all sitting at the table, it is a lot easier to get the work done because we've already been doing the work, right? Um, We've already been shaping um, people in our various communities. You know, I always say, you, you, you don't just start something, right? You've been doing it in some form or another. And then maybe this is just a variation of what it is that you've already been doing. But there, there are very varying connections. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in science, right? 
and that there are certain signs that lead you into certain pathways that enable you to see uh, or kind of draw more reason as to why you where you are where you are or what it is that you're doing anyway that's another story but all of those people coming together right it's it's all of those values aligning and having very solid objectives right what it is and how you want to impact these individuals is very important as well um we also practice a great deal of autonomy right um we don't just see these students as a 16 year old or a 19 year old um, they are adults, young adults that are capable of doing even better than you, better than you and I, right? And we got to celebrate that. You know, we don't look at it and say, oh no, this person is a threat. Rather we say, how can I learn from this person? So there's quite a lot of, so it's, it's the exchange of knowledge is reciprocal, right? You're learning from the student, the student's learning from you. Um, and it's all done in this, community of or a community that's based on respect i think around the world one thing that kind of hinders progress is the lack of respect yeah um and respect in the sense that you know i'm human you're human um we have our boundaries um but we can engage one another meaningfully um towards accomplishing a set goal or a set task and a lot of that respect is thrown out the window when people are so goal-driven and task-driven. Um, yeah. You would work with someone, um, but they, they don't want to get to know you, right? They just want to get the task done. Yeah, or the profit yeah. achieved or the bottom line fattened or, yeah. Right, and the respect goes out the window. Right. Uh, or you can work with someone and primarily base a relationship on respect. And then from there, that's where the opportunities to leverage each other's strengths, to expose each other's weaknesses, and to build and further develop and grow one another thrives, right? That spirit, um, that joy. Um, and, and that's something that it's, it's intangible. You, you, you feel it happening yeah. and you're just like so amazed. Um, but unfortunately, you just don't find that in a lot of places people people that visit our academy you should visit they'll come and say wow you guys are just so amazing um you know it's like a bubble right it's like this amazing dream uh very isolated place uh, lovely campus great great environment um and once you're there for a long an extended period of time you know you easily fall into this you know, that, 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 that community, you, you, you feel like you're a part of the community. And once you leave, you notice it immediately it, as well. Yeah. Is, is, does it shock you or the students or any other uh, faculty members to go have interactions back in, you know, quote unquote, normal life where people are just rude to each other and toxic and <laughs> like spewing hatred? Like, is, is it a shock to the system? You're like, wow. We thought we were doing some good work here, but it turns out the world is still the world. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, it's shocking, man, what's out there. And, you know, we got to protect our students as well. Mm. Um, but here's the thing, right? We're, we're, we're doing this so that we can have kind of like sleeper cells of these type of people <laughs> yeah. in the world, right? This, this net, this wide range of people that are like-minded um, have been through the same systems, um, 
and you know are agents of change right and the more we draw people in and teach this and, and i don't even know if we're teaching it it's like we're living it right um and see how we're living this uh, and embody these uh, these values um the more the more i guess or the more the world will potentially start to change right i belong in a certain community you belong in a certain community or rather not belong but come from a certain community and we belong anywhere and you'll go back into that community and you start tapping into that community and you'll spread this um this this what you've learned right it, it just happens tacitly and hopefully you're, you're making change or you're impacting people meaningfully and they will learn from that yeah. How do you, how do you keep hope and enthusiasm alive? Uh, you personally, your students as they they graduate, because um, I assume you keep in touch with them. You know, some of them you've mentored, um, friends, family. When that's not the norm. You know, the norm is uh, constant aggression, polarization, and bombardment yeah. through many many dollars in ad campaigns and social media, telling you to buy more stuff and outpace the other guy and we're all in competition with each other how do you how do you keep the enthusiasm alive so you don't get discouraged looking at the 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 negativity and the and the heavy-handed corporatism and all that all those things that we don't like yeah um i mean again like it's very 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 good question um and through my lens what what i've been able to experience and see and what, what it is that we kind of part with our students is a sense of purpose right um so what is what what is your purpose um where do you where do you see yourself going how do you want to impact um, this world right we use a design thinking model which um is called build right build stands for believe understand invent listen deliver and once students arrive on campus, we take them through believe, right? Believe that you have the power to make enormous change in this world. Looking for a pen because I want to write that down. The, the listening audience can't see me, but I know you're looking confused. <laughs> Let me grab a pen. I want to write down that acronym. All is well. Um, and in that process, right, um, I'll just, I'll just, Okay. Yeah, I got it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, this makes really good radio, by the way, when you're just totally riffing it and somebody's standing up reaching for a pen and all you can see is their belly button on the camera. <laughs> believe. Re repeat that acronym for me, would you? Um, believe. Uh, build, right? Or so build, believe, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, build stands for believe, mm -hmm. understand, invent, listen, deliver. Got it. Right, so students arrive on campus and, you know, they come from a variety of different backgrounds. Some of them um, more developed countries, some of them very underdeveloped. You know, we, we have students that come from refugee camps. Mm. And uh, here you are trying to kind of create this place where they can all feel welcome, right? And the best way for you to do that, right, there is no... You, you can't make a person feel like they are being discriminated against or 
make them feel uh, in any type of way if you teach them firstly to believe in themselves, right? So this is very important for black mental health as well, I think, right? Um, believing in yourself, right? Believe that you ultimately have the power to make that change, right? And this is where belief ties to that self-love interdependence. And we, we take them through purpose. Um, what is your purpose? And we say, okay, what are you passionate about? What are some of your skills? What cause? How do you want to impact this world? And we really have them unpack this. And they jot down this audacious goal that they want to achieve, right? In this trajectory map. And we tell them, listen, we, we, so we use smart goals, but we change, um, we change the, the A, right? So it's um, specific, measurable, uh, and then we say ambitious, Ah, uh, nice. Right. Nice. I like that. So we say, be ambitious, right? So you'll have them set this amazing goal. And then we say, okay, um, let's do a little theory of change here. Let's work back now, right? What are you, what is it that you need to do in order to achieve uh, this big audacious goal, right? And we start setting milestones. And hopefully these milestones are realistic and time-bound. And they enable this young uh, black African that came from maybe Somalia or Burundi uh, in some village that was never exposed to, you know, being on an airplane for the very first time, um, having a room to himself, uh, having a a hot shower. um, And they're able to believe that they can set these goals, right? That gives any human being the foundations for potentially being successful. But that's not enough, right? And so we take them through understand. And understand is like deep dive into your context. What is happening? What is the current reality around you in your community, right? Because we know they're not going to last in the bubble that we call ALA, African Leadership Academy, for a very long time. They're only there for two years. And then afterwards, what happens, right? Um, we want them to go back into their communities and potentially impact. So understand what's taking place in their communities. What are some of the issues or problems or opportunities that they could potentially tie their purpose to, right? So my purpose, and then they're looking at these opportunities or problems and potentially drawing solutions in the understand phase. And here, there's quite a lot of brainstorming, um, unpacking of the various different opportunities that people may potentially venture into. And with that, we move or kind of it's a, it's a segue into um, the invent phase. Mm-hmm. And inventing is literally, there is no such thing as a bad idea. We work on trial and error. Um, and we want you to, to try, try something. Because that's where a lot of people fail. They fail by thinking they can't do it. And they don't try, right? And so we really tell them to try. Um, I know it might sound very, like, it's a, it's a very minuscule thing. Like, but the, there's a huge difference between thinking about doing it and actually trying and doing it. Yeah. And in the trying that's where people also are able to get that sense of I'm doing something meaningful, 
right? That independence. I'm going out there and I'm doing this on my own, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting this joy from doing this beautiful thing. They're seeing it manifest, and they know it came from them. Absolutely, great, great, great um, choice of words. Thanks. Um, Steal it if you want. <laughs> So we have them go through believe, uh, understand, uh, invent, and then listen, right? Um, the, it's crucial to, to test your ideas. So go out there into the field, um, get feedback from the people that you think you are assisting. Um, yeah. Great choice of words there, by the way. Think you're assisting. Yeah. Because you may because, not be, you know, right? Exactly, right? And, and we do that kind of deliberately because you don't just start something, right? In the understand phase, you have to identify a need, right? And turn that need into an opportunity. Um, this is great TED Talk by, I can't remember the gentleman, but um, it's called Shut Up and Listen. So they went, some Italian company, oh, Italian. They went and started um, some company uh, in, in, in an area sorry, they built wells, right? Or some source of water. So the point is what it is that they created for that community, the community did not need it, right? They needed something else. So take away the mentality of, oh, I know what they, they need, you know, and actually, you know, shut up, listen, what is it that they really need? And then try and assist them with that need. I've been I've been on more than a few of those types of committees where we all sit around yes. with our graduate degrees and uh, look at people and go, here's what we have to solve their problem. And they're like, are, are, are they asking? I didn't right. hear anybody asking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think it's something that it's involuntary, right? Um, we just say, oh, yeah, let, let me help you out here. And, and, and we do it in our close circle of friends. Oh, sure. Like, I might be telling you, hey, Jake, you know, like, hey, I just had a tough morning and and it's like, hey, did you need this? You're creating needs for me, right? Yeah. And that, that perpetuates um, this downfall in mental health, right? Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're talking about like our inability to watch somebody else just be in distress and struggle their way through it creates a need to go solve it for them. Not right? for them, but so I don't have to watch it, right? And that's, mm. and that's super ah. unhelpful. Yeah, right. I, see, I, just, right. I see this. I see this in groups all the time when we do group counseling and we're getting into a tough subject and somebody gets tearful, um, and almost immediately, at least one or two people will start with the you know hand on the thigh, you know, oh, there, there, it'll be okay. Or somebody jumps to a, a offer a conclusion. It's like, did you hire an attorney? Uh, mm. <laughs> um, or a Kleenex box gets thrown at them, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> what was up with that? Like can you just let this person be in misery for a little while and find their own path through it? Cause That's invalidating it. their process to make you feel better doesn't help them at all. Um, right. So yeah, it happens all the time. I love the, you know, like I'm not having a great day. Like, well, here's a solution. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't you know? asking. <laughs> and, and you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't help really. I think this, this essence of coaching is, is vital, right? The, the, the framework is you are helping someone solve their own problems, Precisely. but not by giving them solutions, right? But just asking the right questions and hoping that they can provide answers for themselves. Yeah, it requires a deep belief that the person possesses the answers anyway, and they just need a way to find right. them. 
yeah exactly. not have not have them given to them you know that, that that's it that's it and that is a sense of accomplishment for any human being right we we all need affirmations but the best affirmations are the ones that you work hard for right that you feel you you've accomplished that sets the bar higher and that makes you less susceptible to self-doubt right it builds a sense of constructive well-being right based on i did something and i did it well right um so from believe purpose understand identifying this need um invent uh multiple multiple solutions and not just thinking about it but actually trying it and doing it mm-hmm. um listening so getting feedback from the people that you've potentially uh created this need for and there's a continuous loop right where you you are delivering so you'll deliver this project uh and then you go back to invent because you're iterating towards um right. improvement right and and this model um I have found it to be super useful not just in designing projects or business opportunities but also I find it useful in mental health right um considering the various but the vast backdrop that I had explained with my entire life um when I came across this model I I I changed right at first it was like oh you know the fear of venturing into the unknown but you start you know the layers start coming off and then you start seeing that there's a deep level of vulnerability here where you start accepting yourself for who you really are um and appreciating that as opposed to regretting it, right so seeing the good in anything be it bad appreciate yourself for at least having gone through that situation yeah. and coming out of it um in a better state yeah right? uh, yeah absolutely I, i i'm thinking in terms of this acronym of build it really points to like treatment planning too so you go into the oh. counselor's office and you're like i have this problem you all right well do you believe that you can overcome it <laughs> yes or no and then we got to work <laughs> there if, if the answer is no um so if the answer is no then get out of my office because i can't help you anyway um <laughs> but then but then understanding what it is and then um inventing a solution you know a, a reasonable path to to resolving that uh listening mm. to each other and the feedback and then and then deliver on what you want to do right that's a reasonably accomplishable goal uh this right? yeah i'm i'm definitely going to be in, i'm looking over here at my paper where i wrote it um i'm going to be implementing that in a whole bunch of different That's awesome avenues. right and, and you know it's the simplicity in it too mm-hmm. right it's it's applicable in a variety of contexts yep. absolutely and when we're thinking about black mental health we need tools like these because you know across the spectrum we don't know what people are really going through i i like to use the the this um analogy of So you're crossing this highway. So in the US I think it's a freeway, right? And there are all these we have cars. Both. We have we have freeways and yeah. highways. <laughs> Which one the one that's like full of cars? Yeah, freeways. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> freeways. No 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 traffic lights, yeah. Right? And you know high speed and and that's life, right? And life activities, life happening. So all those cars moving at high speed and here you are, right? And you're trying to get across um 
you, you want to make it in life. And the way I get across that high, that highway, that freeway, will be very different from how anybody else gets across it, right? I might take one step onto the road and then wait and then calculate uh, how fast the next car is coming, strategically uh, hop over or do a Spider-Man leap or something, right? <laughs> to get me across, right? And, and le leverage my, my privilege, whatever the case might be. And the next person might just say, okay, um, I'm very agile. So I'm just gonna like, you know, do, do long jumps over, over these cars and, and I'll make it through life. So everyone has, everyone has their own unique experience of life. And we need to firstly stand back and say, okay, this is how this person is, adhere to that, appreciate that, and then start looking at tools and means of aiding this person um, advance, as opposed to just saying, okay, this is it, it's straightforward, one sock uh, fit all, you'll get through this, all right? So if we pivot a little bit to um, specifically talking about black mental wellness, black mental health, um, I don't want to play devil's advocate for a second, because if I'm average white person listening to this, go, we go, well, why, why is black specifically so important? Wouldn't I treat, as a clinician, we would just presume that we're all just non-judgmental. We meet people where they are and and we, we go in humbly and curiously asking for their story, not making any uh, suppositions or drawing any conclusions based on skin color um, yeah. or last name or country of origin or any of those things. Um, and yet we, we're hearing this narrative now. It's like, no, the, the black experience is a unique experience that uh, Latinos don't understand and Eastern Europeans don't understand and Asians don't understand. And, and even in Asia, there's subcultures of different types of it. You know, so, so it's like, well, we get in this non-exhaustive list of cultures yeah. and ethnicities. It's like, why blackness? Why that? And I have some ideas, but I want to hear your, your take on it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, um, a problem is a problem. It's not black, it's not white, mm. right? Um, and I, I can only link it to some of the cultures that exist within society, right? Um, having a Nigerian mother, I love my mom, uh, I love her, like, they're just there's certain things that she grew up with in her in her way her upbringing right and that's that's what she knows mm -hmm. right um so if i go to my mom and i say to her for instance um which i have in the past <laughs> i say like mom i don't know how to cope with this like you know the situation it's like it's it's really tough right um her, her immediate response would be like manage it, right? Like you, you can do this, like manage it, right? There is no such thing as um, I might be depressed or um, I might have um, something psychologically going on with me. Um, all of that is out the window. There is no, you need counseling type idea um, that, that exists in her framework of understanding my problem right um and and that's something that's tied to how she was brought right um and what we're slowly realizing in the world is that that culture has 
built a, a huge, it's cast a net, a wide net of people that are growing up without acknowledging that they could potentially have some underlying issues um, associated to how they're currently feeling, right? And that that has been shoved into some closet, right? Because of their parents and the parents, their grandparents and, and their forefathers not having dealt with this issue adequately. And I think what we're seeing now is a surge of you know, black people um, not having um, seen the side effects of not dealing with these issues. And now we're seeing these side effects for the very first time, um, like when we were in high school um, with Safiso, we had a number of friends commit suicide, right? And some were black, right? And we never, we, we never really looked at the root causes of what happened there. And I guarantee you, if we really look back, it could potentially be equated to the fact that culturally, these issues were never given space. They were never tabled. They weren't dealt with adequately. And more and more, we're starting to realize as, as a global community, uh, as Black people, that mental health is, uh, it's, it's always existed. And it can't be uh, in, in Congo, uh, we, you would get beaten up, right? Like you'd get a hiding um, if you try and bring out some of these issues like um, parents, uncles, uh, you get abused, right? And, and that isn't dealing with the issue, it's making it worse. Right. So I, a lot of people go ahead, have go been ahead, living with, with all these issues and they haven't been able to, they don't even know how to voice it. They don't know how to, how to table these issues. And black people specifically are finding the space now to, to start to deal with, uh, with these issues. Yeah. I think, I think if I'm being cynical and I know people who are, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just giving voice to it. They would say, well, yeah, but that's, that's every family. This, this mental health thing is, is kind of new age. This is the last two generations of any culture are starting mm -hmm. to now become hip to it. Um, but what I would add is that what makes black people unique is that the world of mental health study, psychological study in and of itself came from Western European men. And therefore it's, it's invariably going to lead to more people who look like them to get ease of access to care. And mm. the people who don't are going to be more suspicious, aloof, guarded, reserved, or just outright invalidated. Um, mm. and, I'm, and the conversations I've had recently lead me to believe that because there's a lack of um, visibly representative members of the mental health community who look like you, your people are less likely to go seek care. And mm -hmm. certainly in America, we've got a long history and it's very, very well documented of suspicion of the medical community um, and, and systems in general, just authority systems in general. But yeah. um, I'm wondering if it's the same in, you know, in Africa where you have a large percentage of a black population, but who works in mental health? Do you, 
do you see, do you look up and you see, oh, I could do that. Or, um, you know, our kids looking going, I can go, I can go trust that person because, because they look, walk, talk, act, feel like me. Um, or is there just a lack of mental health services anyway? And it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And we just need to do an overall push. Um, and yeah. I don't know, these are the curious questions I have about what it is like in other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it's not common that you'd go to um, a high school, uh, a public school um, in any of our communities across Africa and find a, a wellness department, right? Or find a counselor. Um, Does that include physical wellness too? Yeah, I mean, even sports, some, some schools just don't practice that. Right. How about nutrition? Is is I'm just wondering if like the entire wellness community is just kind of ignored, and wh- and if so, why? Yeah, I mean, from from my experience, school in Kinshasa. I'll start there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did not have any form of support outside of the classroom. Right. It was your teacher. And your teacher was commander in chief. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and we used to, we used to, so in the classroom, right? Um, as you get in, there are rows. And they say there are about six rows um, with, with about t- five tables. And each row is a percentage bracket in terms of performance. So you'll get your, yeah, serious. So you wow. get your. 40 below 40% and then you get your like 45 to 50, 60, 60, 80, and then your top achievers are usually the furthest away from the door. Um, And the entire experience is built around that structure. So if you're leaving the classroom, it's the first, uh, the furthest row that goes. um, And even though you're closest to the door, right? And psychologically, we don't know what that's doing to, to people. I'm, I'm it can't be good. Is, but I can't, <laughs> exactly, right? And that's just in Congo, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure what, what the education looks like right now and what it is that they're doing. Um, but it is, it is crippling people, right? You're labeling them. You're saying you, 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 this is your identity. Your identity is below, below 50% or whatever. Um, is it possible for the entire class to succeed? That's what I'm wondering. Like, can, can they all be high achievers? And then if so, like who sits where? And I mean, what about like, there's so much opportunity there, peer to peer learning. Um, you know, how, how do you, where's the corrective behavior in, in you not being allowed the opportunity to, to, to join with the person that could help them uh, most. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I think of that experience, I try and think of, okay, what, what good can I draw? Um, can I draw from that? And, you know, the, the only thing that, that I could positively say about, you know, being in that environment is it's shown me what not to do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How not to, to, to isolate people, how, how not to label people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it is just, it, it's horrific. So if that's, if that's systemic, 
there's just no supports anywhere. It, it would stand to reason that um, <laughs> let's let's try to take this full circle now. A we'll say a black African American person because there's different people who identify as black who are not from African descent. Um, in, a, in living in America, tries to go. All right, I want to do something. I want to shake this up. I want to find out what my roots are. Well, my roots are uh, maybe my grand great grandparents or grandparents were uh, were slaves. That's that's yes. pretty crappy, right? But that but it gives you a benchmark, something from which to rise above. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. what if you just recently immigrated and you're you're not your roots in America aren't that deep? You go back to you go back to your African roots, and it doesn't seem to matter what country in Africa. It's like uh, yeah, I would, yeah, we, we don't have a lot going for us. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to really like grab on to if the, if the culture is such that education's undervalued, health and wellness are undervalued. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know what communities look like and what the economics are broadly. I, I imagine agrarian farming, mining. Um, but where does one, anchor oneself if the messaging for so long has been you know from the system from the top down from the authorities is um be subordinate right yeah be subordinate you're shaking off a whole bunch of of cultural baggage to try to rise above that um yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of lifting if you don't have a support system around you that you can look to and go oh Nkembo did it I can do it. Like yeah. the, how many of you are there? Right. And you took your own yeah. journey and you know, you, and you even acknowledge you, you come from privilege and not everybody gets that. So how do we, how do we lift up entire cultures? How do we lift up continents, if you will, um, that are just the messaging has been just so negative. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, more the, podcasts, the, more podcasts. That's what we do. Definitely. Um, <laughs> you definitely carry on with this this is great by the way um thank you so much yeah. so much insight that I'm, I'm hearing from you and i i greatly appreciate this and feel um, free to take off too i know we've gone over time from what we allotted um, i don't have anything to do and i'm enjoying this so stay, <laughs> you probably have a family and dinner to eat but yeah yeah um i i think we're good for another 15 or so okay that's okay yeah um i i think so here, here's the here's the issue also right um I, I was in Congo, what, 1994? <laughs> and I hear of students that are still being um, treated in such ways today. Um, so nothing has changed. Um, and and, and that, that, is, that is very disappointing. Now are these white people in charge over there, by the way? Are these, are these black people in charge? Um, you know, so we, Congo was colonized by, by Belgium. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they are quite a lot of, uh, white, um, Belgium teachers, but also, um, black teachers. Um, but the colonial systems, they really crippled, uh, our education because we're, we're, our education system is basically borrowed from theirs. Uh, um, so there will always be a connection or a need from Belgium somewhere or another. Um, here's the glimmer of hope, right? Um, this is what I, I'm hoping students today are able to leverage. The internet is a powerful tool. Yes. Yes, it is. And we're talking about not just seeing your classroom for what it is, 
but having the opportunity to compare what is happening in other classrooms. And with that, we're hoping that people would be able to see the gaps, see the discrepancy between what's happening in their world and what's happening in other people's worlds and try and find a hybrid situation. So not a, not a drastic uh, shift because that's just, that's like you're gonna go against the system. Um, but incremental shifts towards uh, a, a mutually uh, agreed upon or some, some form of consensus between the, the, the teaching body and the student because one cannot exist without the other. Right. And we need to stop thinking in, in our African contexts uh, that the teacher is, 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 you know, the puppet master, right? And the student is the subordinate. That, that structure is, 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 is flawed. That still goes uh, on no in America. Learning. It still goes on in America where you get this like all knowing professor dumping knowledge into the empty waiting vessel. And there's, there's no right. room for criticism or exchange the other direction. Right. It, it really happens in, amazingly and it's very very disappointing to, to say this it's happening more and more at the graduate level in colleges and mm. universities certainly the undergraduate level but it's happening more and more at the graduate level where it's like nope this is the way it is i'm in charge i have the experience you sit up yeah. you shut talk about shut up and listen but it's shut up and listen in an authoritarian <laughs> way out of ego you know it's it's not out of um humility it's it's really yeah. frightening so yeah, but you're right. Like the, the the wonders of technology really, really are wonders. And as much as we want to demonize them and say social media is toxic and all this stuff, it's like, well, no, it's just yeah. a tool. It's it's whatever you make of it. Um, a, a firearm is a tool. You, know, you can kill people Absolutely. with it indiscriminately, or you can use it to go on food. Like, what what do you choose to do with this? And if you choose to use technology in a beneficent way, um, yeah, everyone can benefit. You know. It's, right. I, I love that you point that out because I think we forget that sometimes that technology really is powerful and can benefit. It is. It's 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 crucial. Um, technology is is the one tool that's been used to drive the entertainment industry, right? Like as soon as something hip or new pops up, it's right on your phone. Yeah. And we're just not seeing the benefits of self improvement um, via the same um, vessel, right? Do you, um, do you think we've taken it for granted? It's been around for like 20 years now, 25 years. Um, Google, you know, for example, being able yeah. to search things, which is like, oh yeah, go Google it. Like the, uh, I mean, I, I harp on this a lot about like it's, it's diminished work ethic and patience and ability, inability to tolerate distress has increased. Uh, we all just let, throw tantrums when we don't get things immediately when we want them. But, <laughs> but do you think maybe it's faded into the background a little bit where like, oh, I forgot we can use this for that purpose. <laughs> like, that's why it was yeah. invented. No, no, um, you're right. You're right. And, and it goes back to the, the model of teaching, right? So if the teacher, the instructor does not allow for that use, right? For the student to leverage technology in the hopes of bettering their learning, then the technology comes to a stop right there. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher, um, I, I leverage technology in the classroom, right? I, so th there's, the, there's the level of vulnerability where you're venturing into this unknown and you're telling your students, listen, I don't know it all. I wanna learn from you and let's leverage the resources that we have. If there's doubt in anything, 
let's Google, let's research, and let's all learn. Let's build this learning community, right? And unfortunately, in such spaces um, in, in, in across the African um, continent, a lot of teachers, are, they, they have the fear that they could be replaced. Um, and there's the fear of, you know, them finding somebody else. And so they have to really make themselves, um, they have to sell themselves better than who they actually are in order to stay in, in, in employment. But my point is, the teacher needs to allow for the technology to be used in the classroom. Leveraging that technology, the student needs to take ownership of what it is that they want to learn, right? They need to be autodidactic. So learning does not stop in the classroom. Right. You are constantly learning on building yourself and bettering yourself, right? And with that comes that strong emphasis on confidence, confidence building 101 right self-directed learning if you're able to learn something on your own you're confident you're building confidence in yourself right and that reduces um certain levels of of stress certain levels of self-doubt certain levels of depression um it, it enables you to see a better a better future a pathway and and that that levi that that alleviates you from mental health to from 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 the from the bad effects of mental health to an extent. Yeah, um, in what you're touching on there is self-efficacy, and um, I often explain the difference between self-efficacy and self-esteem. Is that, and I took this from my mentor Christian Conti. Um, mm. Self-efficacy is something within you that can't be taken away that often leads to self-esteem, and you can have bad mm. self-efficacy if you focus on the the bad things you've done. But if you focus your attention on the on the good things you've done, things you've accomplished, um, knowledge acquisition, uh, a job well done, then you get good self-esteem. And when you teach yourself something, when you accomplish something, what you're alluding to there is, is a building of self-efficacy. And that, mm. I think, is often not accomplishable when things are given to people rather than earned uh, through mm. you know, hard work, study, merit, and so forth. Um, and so the, the education situation you described where, where the, the teacher is just dispensing information, well, that's not building self-efficacy for the student if they're not learning it, no. if they're just regurgitating for purposes of an exam or whatever. Um, so that's, it's really important. And to your point, good self-efficacy begets better mental wellness. Um, when you're, when you're balanced and stable and confident, uh, you're also confident to deal with problems when they come rather than catastrophize and think that the problems are going to swallow you up. Um, yeah people with poor self-efficacy or lacking self-efficacy and have low self-esteem, they see problems not as opportunities, as, but as um, real, real problems. And then it sometimes it paralyzes them. And then they get this stacking effect of, you know, problem after problem, I can't get out from under it. I'm overwhelmed. Now I'm stressed. Now I'm yeah. anxious. And now I'm taking pills to stabilize my, my brain chemistry. And yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, no, I love how you've put it. Like, um, like, everything you've said there, the, the, the notion of self-efficacy and the difference between it and um, self-esteem, it's very important, right? Um, and also the balance, right? There's always this balancing effect that's happening. Um, you, can't, you can't live life on one extreme or the other. There has to be a balance. Right? Yeah. I think that's where I was alluding to with the independence and dependency, which you've rightfully put and said like, 
this interdependence. And I think that balance is self-love, mm-hmm. right? How do, we, how do we love ourselves and appreciate ourselves in such a way where when we present ourselves to the world, we don't see anything less than who we really are? Yeah, yeah. And that, well, and that's spooky for some people because when you start to look at who you really are, it invites all things great and terrible. And knowing that you can wrap your arms around that and say, yes, I'm also, I'm not going to be terrible all the time. I'm also not going to be great all the time. I can live in, in harmony and balance. It's, it's really critical. Um, we, we don't want to go bouncing back and forth between extremes anyway. It's, it's exhausting. Um, but it also leaves us not knowing, you know, where we stand. So I think that's a point well taken. But this, this conversation about um, building self-efficacy to alleviate mental illness is, it's, for some reason, it's never occurred to me because I, I work in education too. I, I was a substitute teacher. I coached track. Um, and now I'm uh, chairing this board of directors for a new charter school here in Northern Nevada. Mm-hmm. And so we're opening this August actually, uh, just in a couple of weeks. And my, my five-year-old is going to be the, like in the inaugural kindergarten class. So oh. I'm excited, but yeah, we talk, we talk about uh, social and emotional learning and for a long time, that was not a thing. Then it was a thing that we just did on the side. Now it's this thing that we're integrating. But what we really need to do, if you want your kids to be self-efficacious, is you have to let them teach themselves. And I'm going to start ringing that bell a little louder. And so there's got to be literature on it, I'm sure. But um, I really appreciate you bringing that up. So that, that's you're adding to my life for sure, just in that. Um, I, I hear oh, kids. Awesome. I hear kids snaps. in the background. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, my daughter. I have a three-year-old, um, uh, and and you know, she's usually knocking on the door when whenever I'm working. Uh, I'm surprised she hasn't done so. But here's here's what she's doing now. She's just raising her voice. So. Yes, yes. My my kids. So I'm I'm blessed enough to have my wife take my kids out of the house today, so we could do this. Because otherwise, like, oh, awesome. even though I've put up all these like sound dampening panels and I've got a door installed in the I'm in the basement of our house right now the sound just echoes like it just it's crazy echo so if the kids are home I'm hearing it and if I'm on a meeting or (laughs) with a client or in a podcast they're hearing it too um so they're gone right now to a doctor's appointment but I I, um anyway my point of bringing that up is I I know it's dinner time your time um I want to let you go thank you so much for uh, being a part of this. It's been a true blessing for me. I want to uh, ask one thing. I've been doing this for the last several uh, several weeks now as I ask our guests, what's one thing you want to leave the audience with before you sign off? Oh, wow. Yeah, just um, one. <laughs> yeah, just one. <laughs> yeah, just one. Make, it's simple. Make it just good. One. Don't disappoint yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake, um, you know, thank you so much. Um, our conversation before uh, going live was great getting to know you and um, the work that you're doing in the space of mental health. Um, and our conversation now, um, I've, I've learned a lot from you. Like I really, really have. And I'm, I'm also going to start thinking more about this self-efficacy and self-esteem and how this could actually, you know, build onto something greater and, and the plugins into to mental health. Um, leaving leaving the audience with with one thing. Um, my 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 question that I always ask myself is: um, Did I do something different today? 
because it's that change that we're talking about, right? That unknown. Um, so today what I've done different is, is this, and I'm going into this deep dive um, conversation on mental health uh, and, and embracing some of the fears that I had, right? Um, a lot of the things that I spoke about, um, and, and there's, a, there's a great sense of further, further security now within myself because I, I've brought these things up and I've spoken about it. Um, I, I'll ask the audience, like, so, you know, have you done something different um, today and try and do something different every day? Uh, and hopefully um, at the end of a month or a week, or rather a week and then a month, uh, reflect upon it uh, and see how it's, it's impacted your life. That's beautiful. That's, I, that's beautiful. I love that. Have you done something yes. different? Love it. Well, um, I definitely want to stay in touch with you because um, you're a fascinating individual and you're super smart and um, really well-traveled and well-cultured and I can learn a lot. So I'm glad that yeah, I think we, so we should together. definitely stay in touch. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, it's great getting to know you and I'm, I'm just curious. So I'm, I'm going to build on this curiosity. <laughs> uh, whenever COVID-19 passes over, you're welcome at my house anytime. Bring your family oh, and awesome, uh, we will show you around the Reno Tahoe area. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, brother. Well, uh, on behalf of the Noggin Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, we wish you all great mental wellness. Take care. Bye.